Terry Meekin, welcome to the show. Grant, it's a pleasure to be talking to you. How are things? Oh, good. Now, I'll just let listeners know, Terry is really nice uh, to be coming back on the show. He was actually on the show a year ago uh, when I was just starting and uh, I stuffed up the recording. So he's agreed to come back again a year later. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate that, Terry. Thanks a lot. The take two. I'm used to it. <laughs> yeah. <Musician>. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Tell, tell us about that. How's that going? Yeah, well, it's going really well. I've been I kind of, I saw as a semi-professional musician for over 20 years. Mm. And I suppose it's, uh, it works in tandem with the bee, bee, beekeeping. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'd like to, uh, try and push it a little bit harder these days. Um, I now have a degree in composition composition so i'm kind of working uh in terms of you know trying to get things done in terms of media and orchestration and yeah it's, it's going to be fun that's excellent as we're chatting here i can see that terry's sitting at his piano which is great <laughs> yeah my little studio it's my little hideout for the winter it's great yeah. it's actually now we're actually just uh, late autumn at the moment it's just my time to uh get into the one man cave and just uh, start making some music yeah it's fantastic a, it's, a, it's a perfect setup you know right now talking bees we we usually uh, start off the podcast here just with a funny story and you you had a funny story last time talking about your mentor and a wedding do you do you want to tell us that one again yeah well i've actually two funny stories can i i'll try and tell the two of them as quick as i can one is, yeah, exactly about my mentor, uh, Joe, Joe Good. And he had a hotel and he was always kind of flat out in his hotel. And there was one particular afternoon where he had a wedding uh, in his hotel. And he got this call during the day that there was some swarm that needs to be collected. So he decided, you know, I can't miss a chance at a swarm. So he went out in his car and he collected the swarm and he got back and all was good. And, they continued on and he worked into the late hours, cleaning it up. And he also stayed at the hotel as well that night. And when he woke up next day, he, he went out to get, you know, get in his car. And his car wasn't in the usual parking spot. And just a little ways down the road, he spotted his car. So he, so he nicked his car. And then, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Not that, not that far down the road, uh, obviously, these thieves discovered that there was bees in it and they kind of <laughs> just ditched the car. I thought it was a, a great. A great story. Yeah, that's that is very funny. <laughs> yeah, classic. That is a, a true story. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Very funny. It's better than any security system. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, like yeah, just, just beekeepers that I've spoken to, they, you know, they have their sticker on the back of their van that says "Bees in Transit," and I, I'm kind of saying, does it work? Like, I mean, like, do people like? I mean, what's the point? Of this is it, is it worthy of having this sticker? And they said it's really just so to stop people from, you know, trying to break in or steal. Mm. Maybe, you know, maybe it's not such a bad idea as a, a deterrent. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So my other story is is basically based on bees. I, I, I don't know if it's funny, but it's certainly an amusing situation. Uh, like last year in particular, I, I, was, I made up 30 feeders for the hives. And they, they're based on the Brother Adam feeder. Oh right, the the top feeder. Brave, 
top feeder, so it's a yep. tray, has the middle, the middle section, which is a block of timber with a drilled hole in it so the bees can come up through it. And then I've made the cover out of uh, like waven uh, waste pipe. So it's basically cut into sections. So you've got this little collar, made it into, cut it into a collar, if you know what I mean. And it sits down over the block. Yep. And then I have little perspex circles to cover over the collar. So it closes in this. So basically, you've, you've created a, a cover so the bees can't get into the actual tray and drown. And my dilemma was, how do I glue, how do I glue the actual perspex cover onto the collar so it doesn't fall off? So one of the things that, that I was told was a great sealant and glue is Tech 7. I don't know if you have it. It's like a, uh, it's like it's, it's in your 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 gun where you, you kind of squeeze it out. Yes. Yep. Uh, it's basically like a, a silicone glue. So I use that in all the thirty uh, cover slips, and then uh, I put them on the hives. And I mean, it did cross my mind that they might just go at it and you know chew it away. This sealant that I put on. What do you think happened, Brent? <laughs> oh, they probably did do that. Yeah, they did that. And you yeah. know what they did change? What's that? On all of them. They they, 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 they took it on all of them. They sealed them all back up a propolis. Ah, right. Yeah. So I did you two on. You just go to the hive, you put your collar on. All I had to do was put my then my my uh Slip, little uh, perspex slip, and it'd come up and just glue it on. Simple as that. Wow. Okay. Excellent. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, that's really good. All right. So now, Terry, you've been beekeeping for quite a long time. You, you've been doing it since you were a little kid. Yeah. Yeah. Where, yeah. What age did you start? Seven. Seven. Yeah. 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 And what? Uh, and you've been and you've been doing the queens all that time. No, I, I, I started doing queens probably when I was fourteen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which is, uh, I mean, there's a lot of growing up to do. So just you know, I still try to do kid things during that point until I suppose when you when you hit that age where you're, you know, starting to turn into a man, you're starting to focus a little bit more on what you're doing. So yeah, around 14, 15. But I was always uh I, I had seen the uh the uh what was that that documentary called on Brother Adam? <clears throat> the monk and the honeybee. The, the monk, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'd seen that when I was seven. Yes, okay. So but I, I, at that's that stage I was already I kinda had this uh idea of uh trying to find the native irish bee i was i was kind of really obsessed with it yes and when i saw the monk and the honeybee it really kind of not that it changed my view but it kind of gave me this like this this monk who had lived through this whole process yes of uh the isle of white disease and and these other other strains of bees that had these resistance and stuff um so yeah that was a that was a 
big influence, big influence for me watching that documentary. Yeah, excellent. And and while we're on the Irish uh, honeybee, how predominant are they in Ireland? Um, well, there there is certainly a, a very uh, unique lineage of the uh, Apis mellifera mellifera uh, in Ireland, uh, and it, it just, there, there's uh, not as much contamination where there is in parts of Europe and where they originally came from. But what our uh, what our native honeybee in Ireland is, is basically it's a, it's a it's a Dutch import from the early 20th century. We did lots of imports because of the Isle of Wight disease hit Ireland as well during that period. So we imported a lot of bees. But they, as I said, they, they, I mean, there's a there's a movement to protect them. And I think it's, it's a worthy, it's a worthy thing to do. Because, uh, as I said, like a lot of these these strains, Apis mellifera mellifera strains out towards, you know, at, you know, Central Europe and up even Northern Europe, you know, they, they have these in Karnica and Buckfast and stuff. So they've lost a lot of those original genetics. Um, so, I mean, there is a lot of, you know, a, a, a more pure type of AMM in Ireland. Mm-hmm. And you're offering those for sale at the moment, aren't you? Yeah, I do. Well, I used to. I okay. did, when I did quick breeding, but I do nukes. I will sell AM, AMM nukes. Yep. There's a, I mean, I find myself uh, working just a little bit harder working with AMM, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting. So going back to The Monk and the Honeybee, so you watched this documentary, and at what age did you head over and work with Peter Donovan at Buckfast? Well, I think from uh, what year would it have been? I started corresponding with... Uh, with uh, Bookfast, I'll be probably like four years after seeing that document. And the idea was that I, I was wanting to come over and, and, you know, see their bees. And of course, they couldn't facilitate me at the time because they had no way of transporting me. And so I had to basically become, become a grown up so I could go over in my own car to see them. And that, that's that's what I did. I suppose that was two thousand and uh, I mean two thousand. But I went over first actually in ninety five, just for a visit, uh, a day visit. And that, I didn't meet Peter Donovan. I met Brother Daniel, and we had a quick look around the uh, the home apiary and in in you know the honey honey house. And that was you know I was that was the day, the the day that I decided I wanted to do this for a living. You know, mm-hmm. it was just amazing to see their setup and the, the precision and the, the, the how tidy and everything was well kept. And I was like, this is the way I want to do beekeeping. So it wasn't until uh, 2001 then, I think it was 2001, 2000 maybe, that I finally uh, drove over and uh, spent a week working with uh, Peter Donovan and Brother, Brother Daniel. Mm-hmm. And was it on the first trip that you met Brother Adam? Yes, yeah, it was. So on that on that, on last one day that I went down to the uh, Abbey to look at the apiaries, uh, we then went over to the uh, there was a nursing home, not that far from the uh, Abbey, and we 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 and Jim Elias who who facilitated in my visit to uh, Pukfast Abbey 
um, we went in to see him and uh, we had a good old chat with Brother, Brother Adam. Um, yeah, we spoke for about an hour, I think, and he was, uh, he, I don't think he, he wanted us to go, to be honest. Mm-hmm. He was having such a good time telling us about his bees and we spoke a lot. We spoke a lot about uh, native bees as well. Um, that was one of the topics I wanted to talk to him especially about. But yeah, uh, what an experience that was to meet mm-hmm. one of your absolute, like, uh, you know, your heroes. Mm-hmm. That's who he was to me, you know. And did he have any advice for you? No, no, I, he wasn't. He wasn't particularly a very giving man, but brother Adam. Okay. He would even say at times to Peter Donovan, he says, uh, "Never tell them too much, Peter." You know. Peter used to say to me, I never understood that kind of mentality, you know, because you're supposed to try to want to uh, share your, you know, share your wisdom. But that was just a kind of, that was just a, that was his personality. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, interesting. So did he encourage you to uh, work with uh, the Apis mellifera mellifera? No, he just spoke about it as if it was just a a time, I suppose, of beekeeping, you know, because it was it made it made the craft of beekeeping. It was different to then working with Italian and hybrids. Do you know what I mean? It slightly changed the way of beekeeping. Yes. But there was no actual advice you could give me or, you know, I don't think when I just, I can't remember most of the discussion. I did write down the discussion, but I'm sure when I spoke about our native bee, he, he, he wouldn't have, it wouldn't have something that would have interested him. Okay. Interesting. Because you know? he had his time with them. Yes. You know that way? He, he had his time with the actual bee itself, which yes. is something that we've asked. Yes, well, yeah. right at the beginning of his career, I believe that that was the only bee they were working with, right? That and Italians. Yeah. He did have Italians. Yes, because it was the, the Italians were the only ones who have survived the Isle of Wight disease. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so they carried on exactly. with that afterwards. Yeah, it was a cross, basically. It was the ones that kind of, the, I suppose, the ones that had crossed with the, the, the native strains, they were the ones that were kind of, had kept going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. So then you, once you turned 18, you could drive, you went and worked with Peter Donovan. Mm. And I actually, I spoke to his son, John Donovan, last year. Yeah. And uh, he was, John was telling me that uh, there's an unreleased book uh, about beekeeping from Peter Donovan, which uh, we're, we're trying to encourage John to, to publish, which would be great. Have you heard about this? Yeah, he did speak to me about that, yeah. Um, I, actually, the last time I sat down with Peter Donovan, which was just a visit, um, he had also uh, about, I don't know, 30 or 40 photographs that he wanted to make a photograph book as well of, of working at BookFast. Mm, he yes. had some incredible pictures. Like, so he spoke to me about wanting to do, do that, and that's certainly something that could be incorporated into this actual beekeeping manual, mm-hmm. you know, could be made as part of it. Um, 
yeah, I mean, that would be something that would uh, interest a lot of people. Mm. So what was it like to work with Peter? Brilliant. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like anything that I would have, you know, wished for in meeting a beekeeper. Um, uh, he was he was straight to the point, got the job done, um, no messing around, and advice all the way. You know, he would be telling me what he could see and what I was doing. He, he, he you know, he told me how I was using the smoker incorrectly, and uh, uh, he then was full of stories in between jobs. We uh, a few times made a trip to the pub between apries. <laughs> um, and, you know, he, he had a lot of stories, that guy. He, he was uh, very personable, you know, for such a, also for such a disciplined person, you know. So quite a character. Mm. And so after that, you started using the Buckfast back in Ireland, the Buckfast Bay. Yeah, yeah, I did. I, 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 we, we, we had an import ban uh, because Ireland uh, was free from Varroa until uh, I think '98 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And when the Varroa became, you know, when 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 they actually arrived into the country, we, uh, I suppose, the government just kind of uh, opened up the, uh, opened up the gates for the importation of bees, and then. I started, there was a gentleman uh, who gave me a couple of nukes of Bookfast bees. And then I have a good friend of mine in Sligo and uh, I started getting queens from him and it's just been breeding from that, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, it's changed. It's changed a lot of the way I do bees, beekeeping. It really has. Oh you know? yeah. How's that? Um. It's it's little small things, you know, like uh, you know the, the the changing of frames, you know, old frames and stuff is not as something that is as worrying as it was before. Um, but as you know, the AMM strain, the native strain, you know, they they want to build comb, you know, um, they don't want to rejuvenate comb. Um, also. The way you do your, I find the way you do uh, summer inspections is a little bit different as well with the with the with the book fast strain because there's a different build up time frame if you know what I mean, and uh, also just the way you do your supering, you know, mm-hmm. they they build up faster. They're you know your feeding process is is different with them. They build up faster. Um, it's easier to work with them, which makes it a whole lot different. Let me tell you, mm-hmm. when you're because I still because I'm still using both strains, so I know how how it feels to be the, the management that's you know for one to the other, and temperament is something that can slow you down and just make it uh, not not enjoyable, you know, because you're from the point of view not getting attacked by bees or, or getting that thing, but the fact that you're kind of you feel like you're, you're you're upsetting them, and you're you know there's more bees being squished when they're just flying everywhere and they're running up and down through the frames. And you're trying to put the frames back in the lugs. It really has changed a lot of bee, you know modern beekeeping mm-hmm. using these strains of bees. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. Now, you're, you've been using the, the four-way mating nukes that were used in Buckfast. Mm. Is, that, is that the main style of mating nuke you use at the moment? So, um, yeah, I basically use on the same design as brother, brother Adam for the simple reason of the same reason why he used it was to overwinter surface queens. And it was going well until I suppose, you know, they started bringing out these polystyrene hives and poly nukes. So basically you got your nuke now where you got your five, six frames. And uh, there's, they're so, uh, they're so handy to use because they're so lightweight. They've got a feeder, top feeder on it. Uh, you can just plug the entrance. They've got a, a, a mesh underneath it. And then I, I, so I started using those to... Uh, Are you talking about for, the, mid, the Mini Plus mating nuke? It, so it, it takes... These nukes take the standard. We use commercial national frames. Yes. So like similar to your, to your, your, your Langstroth. So basically it takes about six of those frames. Yes. Oh, or okay. It takes five frames. So it's half a hive, basically. Yes. Half a brood chamber. Yes. But as I started to use them for making nukes for sale, I just discovered that this is just an easier process than, you know, maintaining. You've got this lovely, beautiful, like quadruple nuke. You know, you've got your four-way hives and you're standing at one station, being able to deal with four queens at one time. But there's a lot of maintenance in that job because, you know, not not all queens were success, successfully made. You, you know, you've dropped in numbers of bees. You had to go off to another apiary, come back, top up those nukes again by checking bees into them, you know. Whereas when with the with the poly nuke, you have you always have a few in the van. And when you're going through hives, you might come through, you know, uh, certain colonies that are doing well and there might be, you know, queen cell available or whatever at the time and you can just basically make up a nuke on the spot mm -hmm. you know and you can deal with it later on on how you want to requeen it or it's as simple as that goes back in the van goes back to the new site and just as i did this the more it, you know i built up the numbers of poly nukes i then just discovered that you know i had no need for the the, the, the system and as you can see that with all these uh, bee breeders now that are, you can see them on YouTube, they're all using these different forms of, of nuclei. Mm -hmm. So it would it would put into question that if these if this newer kind of uh, technology not technology but newer concepts existed, would Brother Adam use a different concept? And I I, I possibly he would have. Yeah, but his style of mating nuke isn't that dissimilar to the modern ones i think the frame sizes were quite similar to the mini mating nuke maybe the mini mating nuke's a bit smaller but not that dissimilar it, it equals to uh, each nuke i think equal to i think two and a half frames of national frame for us so like two and a half frames of could be wrong now because there's there's a lot of uh, i don't know what the spec is on it the, the, the actual dimensions it'd be similar like to three landstrot frames in each of the nukes yes but because you had them cut in half if you know what i mean because imagine yes. the frame was made smaller 
that by having that way, the winter cluster could be together yes. rather than if you had three frames, so normal frames overwintering, this cluster is spread out quite a lot. Yes. So the system that he was using kept it compact. Mm-hmm. And because you had the four side by side, they could overwinter quite well on with such a small number of bees. Mm-hmm. You know, but you're I, I, like with the polynuke, I made up uh, 44 polynukes at the end of July. And I put in queen cells that I grafted as I had to pop them all in, all in the same day. And I have 34, so 10 failed, 34 came through. And these nukes were made with about three or four frames of bees, two frames of brood. And uh, the thir- 34 that have come through, I was just fe- looking at them, feeding them the other day, and they are just stuffed with bees. Mm-hmm. So my point is that like uh, y- you can still make your nuke with still a small amount of bees, so long as you've got the right conditions those bees will absolutely just thrive and be winter ready. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. Let's just answer your question. I think, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a, it was a great for its time. There were some of those nukes that were up on Sherbet and they were like 70 years old, you mm-hmm. know? It was a great genius of, of them to have made that. I mean, they made nearly everything, those guys. Mm. Like a, and make the boxes and stuff, but the the the, the innovation of Brother Adam was incredible. Mm-hmm. Like, mm. He built all those tanks, as you know, from your talk probably with John. Yeah, John was telling me that how old the the boxes were. It was amazing how old they actually were. They, they every three years, I think it was that John said that they 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 came in and did a restoration process with every box. So mm-hmm. that's and 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 doing that continually kept it kept them going for for a really long time. Yeah, yeah. And oh, John's got, John's got some of the boxes still, so that, that yeah. that's interesting. Um, yeah. Now, speaking of those Dayton hives that he used, what what's your opinion of those really gigantic frames that he had? I think if I won the lotto, I would change all my bees to yeah Dayton. I change all the hives to to what Brother Adam used. I so, think it's a, a a great size. Really, why is that? Yeah. Well, if you're using more prolific strains of bees, the queen likes to lay it on on larger frames mm-hmm. because the smaller the frame, the more she does this oval shape. Because you know, queen she will lay in an oval, uh, you know, shape. So. In our smaller frames, she doesn't really get the full capacity that she needs, you know, and especially if bees are bringing in nectar and pollen, sometimes they're kind of using those areas that she would normally want to use. And, you know, beekeepers say, oh, well, they, the, the bees will move that honey up into the super, you know, and now bees don't always move their honey into the super and they can be using the brood chamber quite a lot for their for their storage even during the summer months, you know. So the Dayton allows for that and the Queen. And Brother Adam, he used 10 Dayton frames. So the, the box could take 11, but there was no need for the 11 frame because there was already the capacity necessary for the strain of bee that they were using. 
And when you take out a comb, you're seeing so much so quickly. If you get if you get me. So there are there's some some are swarm inspections where two frames from the center. You know your your super's off, queen excluder, straight to the center, two frames out. Check if everything's going. Queen cells, queen lane, whatever. Back onto the next hive. So you know when you go to with our national hive, which is very common here in Ireland, there's much smaller frames. So you you'd certainly need to get through four frames maximum to know everything is kind of all well and good. Um, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, I would definitely be using a, a Dayton frame if I could. Is it still common in Europe for people to be using Dayton? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. I do know Nikipa's using Dayton. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, a real, it's see- a real European thing, isn't it? Dayton. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Langstrat is very, very popular. Okay. Yeah. Right. Because a lot of beekeepers have discovered now that, you know, do away with queen excluders and you just basically get, you know, there's no use, there's no, they don't use supers. So the smaller size for the super, they're just stacking Langstrat box, now brood box upon brood box with no queen excluders and they're just letting the bees do their thing. Mm. which would then allow the queen to do her thing as well. She would be laying happily out because she's got, you know, no restrictions whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And that is a good way of doing beekeeping, I think. Mm. Now, here's a different question. You've done some work with Patsy Bennett at the, um, the what's it, the T-Gut Research Center? How yeah. do we say that? How do you say that? Yeah, Chagas. Yeah, so Patsy was another one of my heroes like Brother Adam, because mm-hmm. I knew of him from the very early days from reading the, the Bee magazine, and his name would come up a lot, you know. And uh, then when I started attending lectures at the summer school, I got to meet him. I was bowled over when I met him because he was the nicest man. He really, really was. And he had the, uh, the quirkiest humor as well. So he'd be always kind of one for very subtly pulling your leg, whatever way he was able to do it. It was it was he he was very funny man. And then when I left school, I then attended a year course down at the Chagas Research Centre, and it was part of a a, a scheme, a kind of a, a a working scheme. Um, so it was also available for unemployed people as well. So it was we had a mix, a, a kind of a, a mixture of different people at it. And I went down there purposely to work with with Patsy, you know, um, and he was the main guy in the country who had the the payroll from the government to do disease checks. So. Because we don't really have, you know, uh, Ireland doesn't have or never did have bee inspectors. So he worked, he was, uh, he worked basically from his lab, basically doing people sending these samples for checking for disease. And they ran about 80 hives as well on, you know, various sites around the research research center. And his research was very kind of very practical, you know, 
the science was only in the room and then he what he did outside was you know recording you know uh weights of honey and you know he also was uh he would check the weather he was he was one of these guys that reported the weather every day to the med office so he was very good at noting the effects on climate with bees and a very interesting man and like like myself i i would see myself more of a, a traditional beekeeper like patsy was to brother adam so that kind of beekeeping rubbed off on me in a lot of way because it was so natural mm-hmm. you know um where there were book fast is very uh rudimentary beekeeping mm-hmm. so yeah uh and yeah he's he's gone to uh He's up there with Brother Adam now as well, so all the greats. Interesting to see the two different perspectives. Yeah, it really is. And they, they both would have loved each other had they gone to see each other. I think Patsy was in Buckfast. Pretty sure. Uh, yeah. Nice. Um, now, last question. Where can we find you online for people in Ireland who are wanting to buy bees next season, buy some queens? Where can we find you? So you can just Google me, Wicklow Bees and Honey. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so, yes, that's simple. Mm-hmm. My website's there. Um, you can find me on Facebook as well, Wicklow mm-hmm. Bees and Honey. And uh, emails are the best way to contact me. Mm-hmm. So my, all my terms of deal, yeah, terms and business are there. Yes. So you're doing just nukes these days or are you still doing the queens? Just nukes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. The, the, I want to have a life as well. So <laughs> yeah. you know, it's just one life. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lovely but you know, when you have a family. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, if, you know, the old feet need a rest as well. Like yep. When you're doing queens, you are on your feet. Yes. Every day. Yes. All day. Yes. <laughs> absolutely all right is there anything else you want to have a chat about today terry no i'm happy enough if you're happy enough brent yeah absolutely well thanks again for coming back uh, and having another chat to me really appreciate that it's a pleasure hopefully i don't Thank mess it so. up this time <laughs> yeah all right thanks terry bye-bye